When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Always a catch. Seems like there's always a catch. David Culley, here's the job. It's kind of an interim job. It's, we don't have the quarterback. We're a mess. But hey, guys, you're almost 70 here. Take the job. Look, Jim Harbaugh is returning to Michigan, and it appears Kevin O'Connell is going to be the new coach of the Vikings. We're going to have much more on this in a half hour with... Courtney Cronin, you're on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, your smart speakers, download the podcast. What's going on, Key? What's going on, Jay? Moaning. What's good? What's good? So what's good? What's bad? What's, what's sideways? All types of stuff going, going on. on. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> it never changes in sports. I remember when I got into this business, Tom Jackson said, you will never, ever have to worry about having something to talk about. Always something to talk about, right? It's life. Um, Hugh Jackson. Here's here's what we're talking about right now. And by the way, it's hard to keep up with everything, right? But here's what we're talking about right now. Hugh Jackson accuses, has made an accusation, that the Browns were paying him to lose games. That the team had a four-year plan. Well, we've seen this in the NBA with the 76ers, right? It's the kind process. Of out in the open, right? The, the process. process. But the team had a four-year plan that incentivized losing during the first two years. Remember Hugh Jackson, 1-31? in 31. Oh, I was saying, oh, he was terrible on TV, right? 1-31. in 31. Well, That's not a good coach. 1-30. in 30. You got two seasons? You win one game? That's 2016-17 seasons. And Hugh Jackson said that bonus money was available if certain measurables were met, such as aggregate rankings being the youngest team and having so many draft picks. Hughes said he told Browns owner Jimmy Haslam he was not interested in bonus money and instead wanted that money used to improve the team. Now, a spokesperson for the Browns called the charge, and this is a quote, completely fabricated, and said that any accusation that any member of our organization was incentivized to deliberately lose games is categorically false. Now, of course, this is not in a vacuum, right? This comes... Uh, on the heels of Brian Flores' accusation. Stephen Ross, the Miami Dolphins, tried to hit him off with 100 Gs for every loss, and he wasn't with it. Now, Hugh Jackson... Reportedly. Report, right, this is what I'm saying. Yeah. This, is, okay. this, this is his yes. accusation. Yes. This is um, Brian Flores' public accusation. Yes. He's, t- he's not only naming it in a lawsuit, he's talking about it on television. So... Anyway, let's hear from the horse straight from the horse's mouth. This is Hugh Jackson, former Browns head coach on the 6 p.m. Sports Center yesterday. I didn't understand the process. I didn't understand what that plan was. And I asked for clarity. I asked, what is this? Because it did not talk about winning and losing until year three and four. So that told you right there that something wasn't correct, but I still couldn't understand it until I had the team that I had. And once being in the midst of it and finding out the team that I had and understanding that, wait a minute, at the end of the year, there's a 
uh, money that's coming in. And like I said, I didn't really understand it. Here's this money and percentages based on what you did. That didn't make any sense to me. And I remember uh, very candidly saying to Jimmy, I'm not interested in bonus money because I've never known that to be a bonus. I was interested in taking whatever that money was and putting it towards getting us more players on our football team because I didn't think we were very talented at all. I mean, I know what good football teams look like, what they play like, what they act like, and we didn't have a lot of talented players on that team at the time. Key, when Brian Flores says what he says, it's very clear to me what he means, everything. Uh, Hugh is a little harder for me to decipher. I think I get the gist of what he's saying, but do you understand? It seems a little more convoluted than what Brian Flores is claiming about Stephen Ross. Well, I don't. I don't want to just assume like we, we're going to have Hugh on at eight thirty a.m. Eastern time with us, so I'll be able to probably get a little more clarity on what Hugh was actually saying because mm-hmm. it was a little bit difficult understanding him to a degree. But anytime you have accusations of throwing games, tanking, whatever you want to call it to describe it, it's bad for the sport. Uh, it is not something that athletes are going to be proud of coaches are going to be proud of because we work too damn hard in the off season and during the summers getting ready for regular season. We're not worried about next year. We're only worried about the now right now. And, um, you know, if, if that is the case with Jimmy Hazard, the owner of the Cleveland Browns, then this certainly will be investigated by the national football league. I'm sure. And they will be taking it very seriously and he will fall in line along with what's going on down in Miami with Stephen Ross and the Miami Dolphins. So the, the first question I ask myself when I hear Hugh Jackson you know, make these accusations is, do you have evidence? Are they true? So reading about that last night, he said, quote, I can prove anything and everything that I am saying. The National Football League knows I can prove anything and everything I'm saying, and I don't run from that. If they feel like I'm being dishonest, call me on it. Let's sit down in front of everybody and put it all out there and see who's telling the truth. So for me, when I hear that, um, that indicates that there is evidence that Hugh Jackson has that he will be willing to then back Brian Flores in their class action suit, which, <laughs> I mean, look, if, if that is the case, that's going to be problematic. Now, why, like, someone out there might be thinking, how is this uh, racial? They happen to be black coaches, right, head coaches. Mm-hmm. But we've seen tanking in other sports where, and I understand what Key is talking about, especially in the NFL. You know, they say you don't play boxing. You almost don't play football. Like it's, it's a game, but it is real. The, it's a different level of physical commitment in terms of sacrificing your body than, say, basketball, which I think everyone recognizes that the contracts aren't guaranteed yeah. the same way the whole thing. So, so people might just say, hey, this is more of a tanking issue in the NFL than a racial issue, except when you overlap these these accusations with the fact that there have been few in history black coaches compared to white coaches, Mm -hmm. not only who have gotten the head coaching job in the first place, but who then get second chances. So, So, Key, I remember... Me calling Hugh Jackson, and, I, and he would be a guest on the show uh, that, I, that I'd be doing. But I would be honest. I wouldn't run from him. It's like, he's a the one in 31. That's not good. You know, that's a bad yeah, coach. It's a, I it, get it, why it would bother him. Well, it's a couple things here, right, Max, when you look at it. In basketball, you can get a young Jason Williams from Duke to turn the team completely around and wind up getting the fourth seed and making a deep run into the playoffs, and who knows? You might go to championship with a LeBron James. 
But in football, tanking to get a high draft pick, thinking you're getting ready to turn the team around in year one, that's probably not going to happen. But when you start adding the race element to it and you start looking at it, Brian Flores is a black man. Hugh Jackson is a black man. If they were asked to tank over a period of time to get compiled draft picks, to draft players, to do those sort of things, and then abruptly fired, you have to sit back and think, are they being set up for failure as an excuse so that the white coach can ride in and save the day with the roster that was built by the black coach? That That is what I believe Hugh is trying to get at, but I have to ask him at 8.30 a.m., when he joins us Eastern time, um, because that's the way I see it, Jay. Yeah. It's the only way, because I've never seen a white, I haven't seen a white coach come up with these accusations as of yet. Yeah, I don't know if I see it as it's with intent set up for a white coach. I think it's the fact that it is the fact that they are in these circumstances to begin with, with the limited opportunities for black coaches to get second chances in the NFL. And that, I mean, it's almost like character assassination, right? To a degree. If we have a private conversation, Max, and we're, we're trying to tank this show to a degree, right? Um, and we're getting incentivized by the company, media out there is going to speculate in what happens to our character while that happens. And that's what's happening to Hugh, which limits your opportunity to get those second opportunities because you're essentially being thrown under the bus internally while Externally, people are criticizing you. Head coaching opportunities are precious, especially for black head coaches because yes. they get fewer opportunities. They get fewer second chances. Yes. And so anything that tarnishes someone's reputation is tough. And whether or not the intention is, ha-ha, we're going to make this black coach take all the losses, then it's not the point. That's the result. Mm-hmm. The result, result is that. Uh, can you imagine how, what kind of a coach Brian Flores is? That in the face of that, if the accusations are true, if true, he won five games out of his last nine in his first season, ten games the next year, and had a winning record last year. Mm. <laughs> like, this dude knows. The reason he's doing this, I spoke to him a little bit yesterday when he was here at Seaport. He knows one way this dude straight ahead. He does not know another. Competitive. All right. Here's uh, Stephen Ross's statement on the allegations. With regard to the allegations being made by Brian Flores, I'm a man of honor and integrity, and I cannot let them stand without responding. I take great personal exception to these malicious attacks, and the truth must be known. His allegations are false, malicious, and defamatory. We understand there are media reports stating the NFL intends to investigate the claims, and we will cooperate fully. I welcome that investigation, and I am eager to defend my personal integrity and the integrity and values of the entire Miami Dolphin organization from these baseless, unfair, and disparaging claims. And that's all well and good. He has a right to say that. I will point out that the very body making this investigation that he refers to, the NFL, has already come out with a statement saying the claims are without merit. Mm. So what – so wait, now they're doing an investigation? They must have already investigated. Keyshawn J. Willemax is presented by Progressive Insurance. Much more on this. Plus, Brian Flores is suing the NFL. But is there a scenario where he actually coaches again? That's next. Keyshawn J. Willemax on ESPN Radio and ESPN2. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. 
Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Fired Dolphins coach Brian Flores has sued the NFL, the Dolphins, Broncos, and Giants. In part of his statement, he said, I understand I may be risking coaching the game I love and that has done so much for me and my family. I can understand where Brian Flores has a very serious case here that he might win. Quote, my sincere hope is that by standing up against systemic racism in the NFL, others will join me to ensure that positive change is made for generations to come. And it is time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless on... Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. So, Brian Flores was on Get Up yesterday morning. And if you watched, you could see the... It, it, well, listen. It appeared to me that his level of his sincerity was obvious. Everyone can make up their own minds. Listen to what he said. Listen to Greeny's question. And listen to Coach's answer. Do you believe you will ever coach in the National Football League again? I'm hopeful that I will. I'm very hopeful. Um, but I understand the risks of, of, of filing a lawsuit like this. But I am very, um, I am hopeful that I will. It's something I'm passionate about. But if change comes, and if I never coach again and there's change, it, it'll be worth it. Straight talk wireless, no contract, no compromise. Key, will Brian Flores ever coach again? You know, <clears throat> I, I think he will. I think he will because in light of this situation, he's a really good football coach. And I think a lot of coaches around the National Football League understand the situation that he's put in. Ron Rivera spoke on it yesterday and, and, and believes that he should be coaching again. That's just one coach. Then you'll see two and three and executives, and you'll see players get behind the situation. But I also look at the two teams that he interviewed for in the New Orleans Saints as well as the Houston Texans. There's a relationship there at the Houston Texans with Jack Easterby along with Nick Casario. They all were in New England together. Uh, that job has not been filled yet. Uh, and so I think he is in the mix there even though these, this, this is happening to him. And I also think if he wants to take a defensive coordinating job, there could possibly be somewhere like the Las Vegas Raiders with Josh McDaniels in that group of individuals. Just think about it. New England's connections 
and the Raiders don't care about the National Football League and the other owners and what they think about any damn way, especially in light of what happened to them and the way that they feel about the John Gruden situation. So I do think he will coach again because he's a hell of a football coach and he deserves to continue to keep coaching. Jay, if he has to take a job as a defensive as coordinator, a which let, let's be very clear, that's a demotion. Yes. Based on – forget about the circumstances as he describes them. Let's say we had no knowledge of the accusation or anything. He took over an Adam Gase team – that was maybe the worst ever. In their first four games, they were outscored 163 to 26. That's on average a 40 to 6 or a 41 to 7 margin per game. Mm. Okay? <laughs> Think about that. And they won five of their last nine games that season. And they won 10 games the next season and had a great winning streak to finish this season over 500. He has to take a job as a defensive coordinator? I, me personally, I wouldn't be able to swallow my pride after knowing what I was able to lead an organization to to come back and then take a D.C. job, Key. Now, I hear what you're saying. The Raiders' opportunity seems like it's a good opportunity. That's just me, frankly. And, and going through this whole thing yesterday, um, hearing all the conversations about it, you know, I automatically went to this place, Max, in, in my mind that this is a reflection of what's happening in just corporate America in general for a lot of black and brown people who don't get the same opportunities um, because essentially, you know, look, a lot of companies try to hire for diversity and there's quotas that they need to fill, but they end up giving to jobs, you know, of people internally, right? And it's, it's a problem that I've heard so many people, and I talked to so many people about this yesterday. It just speaks about a bigger problem that I think is within corporate America. And I don't know. I pray that Brian Flores gets a chance to coach again. Now, one can use the argument about the NFL doesn't want another Colin Kaepernick situation, which obviously would increase the probability for a guy like Brian Flores to coach again. But we know how tightly knitted this community is of NFL ownership. And I don't know how owners would view other owners that would allow a guy who has a class action lawsuit against the league, which is not really against the league, it's against the owners, right? This is against the owners, essentially. That then would allow a head coach to come into their organization and then get kind of used, essentially, as is there, marketing around well, there's, that? Is there there's, an Al Davis out there? On is, the league. Yeah, is there an Al Davis out there, Key, type, yes. who would be like, I don't care Ooh. about these other there's dudes. I'm going to hire this there's, there's 32 Al Davises that are out there because they're all independent of the National Football League. They can do what they want to do. It's up to them as the owners to make that decision on what they want to do with their organization and all. When but I who, speak he, Brian, who are examples of people like that other than Al Davis? I, I, there's 32 owners, Jay. I don't know to, to what degree one would step out and decide to do that. I mean, when you look at it, the Rooney family certainly has no problems. They have a head coach intact, but they have no problems. When you look at uh, Steve Bashotti. Clearly, at the Baltimore Ravens, he he deals with African-Americans left and right. He has no problem. Jim Ursay, but all these coaches, all of these owners that I'm speaking of have coaches that are already in place. Jim Ursay has hired three African-American coaches along the way. So when you start to, to look at it, you say to yourself, okay, it doesn't, it, it doesn't mean that Flores is going to get another job. 
again, well, it does mean that he could potentially get another job. We can't just look at it and assume that every owner, because they, they are part of an NFL group, is going to make the same decisions. I, I, this has been going on for a long time in the history of the National Football League. Well, th- this so is, somebody has to make their own mind up, and I think an owner will do that at some point in time. Key, this has been going on for a long time in the history of the National Football League, but this is the first discrimination lawsuit against the league in its over-100-year existence. The first, and it's a class action lawsuit, which also means that there will be others that will be following suit here. It's not one person, it's others. So that's what I'm saying. There are people that are in position already, Max, but none of them have class action lawsuits against the NFL. You would be, and in light of that, in light of that, he'd be getting a second opportunity as a head coach, which are few and f- even fewer and farther between than first opportunities he, he's for a, black head he, coaches. But you know, Max, he's a winning head coach. He is. And when I speak of when I speak of him potentially getting a defensive coordinating job, if he the question was, will he coach again? So if he wants to coach. There's opportunities to coach. Doesn't necessarily mean head coach, but if he wants to take a, a, a relationship job, as I would call it, with, with let's say the Raiders, that's because of Josh McDaniels in his relationship. And because the Raiders don't care about the National Football League and the other 31 owners, they could care less. Yeah. That's the only reason why I mention that. He deserves to be a head coach again. And I understand the class action suit situation. Kyle Ka- Kaepernick, they settled their situation with er- in Eric Reed. So Eric Reed was allowed essentially to come back into the National Football League and sign with the Carolina Panthers after settling whatever that settlement was. He eventually uh, re- uh, played football again and re-entered into the NFL. Mm. Changing hearts and minds. When he was asked, Greeny asked me, he said, what do you want? Brian Flores says, I want hearts and minds to change. Mm-hmm. I'll remind everyone, the Rooney rule that got Mike Tomlin the interview, he was not one of the front runners. But, but that organization went in with an open mind and followed the process that they helped lead into existence with actually the right spirit. And their minds were changed. And he got the job. That's not what happened, allegedly, with Flores and the New York football giants or the Denver Broncos. Another coaching job has been filled, and, well, it's the same old story. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. 
Jim Harbaugh left Minnesota on Wednesday without an offer to become the next head coach of the Vikings. Getting back in the NFL, you got to make 100% damn sure it's the right situation for you. According to sources, Harbaugh had been preparing for his meeting with Minnesota with the belief that the job was his to lose. That guy cares about his name. That guy cares about his reputation. He's been able to build it at Michigan. You don't want to unravel that by going into a situation where the money could have been right or may not have been right, but it may not have been the right call for Jim Harbaugh to leave for that NFL job and go away from Michigan. Mm-hmm. This is Keyshawn J. Willemax presented by Progressive Insurance coming to you live from above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. Jim Harbaugh interviewed with the Vikings yesterday, as I just said on SportsCenter, on the SportsCenter update, with the Vikings uh, yesterday, that's right, but went back to Michigan. A lot of a lot of people assumed, including me, he's, he's gone. He's going back to the NFL. Beat Ohio State, better slide out of there now while the getting's good. Hmm. Now ESPN's Dan Graziano reports Kevin O'Connell is the favorite for the job, as, as you just heard. So for more on this, let's bring in our Vikings reporter, Courtney Cronin. Good morning, Courtney. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. Good. Doing well. Good. Now that you're here, how did uh, Harbaugh leave <clears> – <throat> His, team, his meeting with the team, you know, without a job offer? You know, I think that there was this assumption from, from his side of things that did not line up with what the Vikings were intending Wednesday to be. And it was a real job interview. It was the exact same format, the same schedule, the same people that he would meet with that they did on Tuesday for Giants defensive coordinator Patrick Graham. So, you know, Harbaugh came in, according to sources I've talked to, you know, the last 24 hours, you know, his intention was I'm going there to sign a contract. And that just like was not the case. This was a real job interview where he had to sell the team on him being the best fit for the job. And the fact is it just did not, you know, both sides did not agree eye to eye on kind of what the entire thing was. And that's why he left Minnesota on Wednesday without an offer. Courtney, when I hear communications behind the scenes getting screwed up that bad at that level, I start to think, how could that happen? And the obvious answer to me, or, the, or the, the first one that jumps to mind at least, is given all that's going on right now with Brian Flores, I would imagine, and if I ran an NFL team, I'd want to be very buttoned up in the process and not have an automatic job offer to someone without going <laughs> through the process. Could that be an explanation? What could explain how, how their wires got crossed that bad? Well, the whole thing came about because Quasi Adolfo Mensa, who's the new Vikings general manager, knew Jim Harbaugh from their time in Michigan, the time in San Francisco together, 2013-14. He was in research and development, and those were the last two years of Harbaugh as the coach of the 49ers. So that's how this whole thing came about real quick because this was not a candidate for the Vikings before they named the general manager. They had eight initial interviews and. Jim Harbaugh's name was still floating out there in the ether about is he going back to the NFL? Does he want to? Is he comfortable with Michigan? Whatever. So last week, when this whole thing pops off on Saturday, you can draw some very obvious ties to why he's getting an interview in the first place. So he was under the assumption that because of his relationship with Adolfo Mensa, in most times, general managers, you know, who they want as the head coach or, you know, the the candidates for that usually end up being the favorites for the job that he goes there and it's probably his. And I just don't think that the Vikings, everybody else saw it that way. This was not just 
a job, that, a, a decision that the general manager was going to make. There were other ties in this with Ziggy and Mark Wilf, the, the owners of the Minnesota Vikings, getting a big, uh, uh, having a big voice and being able to de- decide this thing. But I also think, you know, there's stuff with, like, what was the buzzword around this team when Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman were fired? It's that they wanted to change the culture and what was going on internally. Like, there's, there's still some, like, unknowns here about, like, why did Jim Harbaugh get fired from the 49ers after, three, after four seasons, three of which ended in the NFC Championship and won in a Super Bowl? Like, there's some personality things. Like, they wanted to make sure it was a good fit. That's why they brought him in with the, under the intention that this is a real interview and you're going to have to interview for this job. And I just don't think that everything lined up to where they both saw it eye to eye and in for what it was, it was a real job interview and not just, Hey, Jim Harbaugh, come here and we're going to give you this job. Courtney, now that they've essentially moved on from Jim Harbaugh and it seems like Kevin O'Connell's the guy, how did he emerge so quickly and he's not calling plays with the Los Angeles Rams It's actually Sean McVay, but he's the guy it seems like the Vikings are going to get. Yeah, and that's here's here's what ha- how it happened last week. Last Friday, I was told that hey, O'Connell's probably going to emerge as the front runner here because they had whittled down all of their initial interviews. They had just hired the general manager, and knowing that the Rams 49ers game was on Sunday, they were going to be able to set up those other interviews, those in-person interviews, get them knocked out, and and it was probably trending that direction. Not just because, you know, there's a lot of reasons for it. Like, they like his vision offensively for what he can do to stabilize this group. Obviously, they have a big situation at quarterback with Kirk Cousins and what his future is going to be next year and then potentially beyond that, whether he's in the fold or not. And O'Connell had all of the right answers for that. So he was the front runner, and then Jim Harbaugh's name gets thrown into the mix last Saturday. So it kind of looked like, at least from like an external perspective, that okay, Harbaugh's the front runner, O'Connell is at the number two, but that just like wasn't the case. So, you know, with, with O'Connell coming in and being, the, you know, the now all set to, to end up as the head coach of the Vikings after the Super Bowl, because you can't accept the job till after that, you know, it shows you kind of where this thing is headed as far as how they feel they have to build to keep this team competitive next year. And that starts with somebody who's going to help stabilize an offense that was kind of, you know, that had really good moments and really bad moments last year. Courtney, if the hiring of Kevin O'Connell occurs, and like, what does that mean for Kirk Cousins? You know, I think that Kirk Cousins ends up here in Minnesota in 2022, like, yeah, I know he has a $45 million cap hit, but everybody, every source that I've talked to has indicated that the Vikings, you know, are willing to let him play at that number and then potentially move on just because of how difficult it would be to move him at that number, to find a dance partner via a trade that will just take on a $35 million cap hit. Like, that could get really expensive. And, you know, for, for Kirk Cousins and his future in Minnesota – the Vikings can make that work for one more year at that number. Yeah, it's not favorable, but you can get your cap healthy other ways. And it keeps you competitive. Like Mark Wilf was adamant behind the scenes. Ownership had rem- had kind of remained dug in on their stance that we think we have a good roster. We think we can be competitive next year. And Kevin O'Connell and his plan gave them the belief that that could actually happen with, you know, Kirk Cousins in the fold. Because if you don't have a, a quarterback – 
if your offense looks like it did against Green Bay week 17, you're not going to win games. That's not a competitive team. So you have to look around and be like, well, what are your other options at the position that would keep you competitive? And that's why I think that the conversation surrounding Kirk Cousins in the next couple of weeks leading the free agency are go- is going to center on him being here in Minnesota for 2022 and then the team moving on. You ask Courtney Cronin a question, you get a detailed answer. She'll tell you what the dude had for breakfast, everything. That was awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Courtney. Thank you, Courtney. Thanks, guys. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio. Key, I just want to throw something out to you. I want to he- hear what you think about it, okay? From what she said, and from what I can, and just from knowledge of what's happening in the NFL right now, I imagine, I put myself in the Vikings position, right? It's my man, I'm going to hire him as coach, right? Hey, come in, you know he comes in. In that meeting, based on what happened in the last couple of days, I got I, I to gotta tell him, listen, dude, <laughs> we can't, this can't be one of those deals, man. We, gotta do, we have to go through a process right now. You know what I mean? In other words, given the Flores lawsuit, if I'm a team, I don't have any kind of like hidden understanding, a wink and a nod, hey, you have the job. I'm going to do my due diligence, dot all my I's, cross all my T's, and make sure I don't wind up in hot water. Is that could that be what like what's your response to that? Does that sound ballpark? As as far as what though? As, what as happened with Jim Harbaugh? Yeah, what happened with Harbaugh? Yeah. No, I think I think Harbaugh, like Courtney said though, man, Harbaugh is a very unique individual. And just because the general manager likes him. He's got to sit down with the owners and the general manager and the president of the team and give his vision. And you know how it is when you're in an interview, maybe he picked his nose at the wrong time. Who knows? I mean, it's just mm-hmm. he obviously couldn't wild him enough for them to say, you know what? You check the boxes. We're, we're done. Because they already interviewed the minority candidates. That was already done. They, they took care of that a long time ago. So I believe this was a legitimate interview they just at the end of the day said that's not our guy. There's no never a wrong time to pick your nose, is there, Jay? <laughs> well, reportedly he was there for nine hours, so I don't know how you don't pick your nose if you're there for nine hours. Um, oh, yeah. Good point. You know, look, it, it's it's interesting to me though what future interest will Jim continue to receive from NFL teams and how that ultimately can affect his relationship with Michigan. Right. Um, it said Michigan fans and their staff and faculty were elated that Jim would come back because obviously, you know, look, who are you going to replace at that juncture if Jim were to take this job this late in the game? Right. With that top 10 recruiting class. But you wonder as as more job opportunities come up and his name keeps being resurfaced, how will that affect his relationship with Michigan if he keeps the door slightly open? Hey, Key, here's an, here, let me follow up with you, OK, because I hear what you're mm-hmm. saying. If they already did all, if they already dotted all their eyes and crossed all their T's in terms of the like Rooney Rule type stuff that could get them in hot water and everything, do you think Jim Harbaugh knew it was a real interview, or do you think it's possible he went in being like, oh, "Come on, man"? I think he went in. I'm Jim. Yeah. Why am I getting on the plane and coming in? Let's get the deal done. I think he went in, like Courtney said, with it like, "I'm I'm ready to go." And so at the end of the day. That's why he wasn't there, uh, was it yesterday? Yeah, yeah yesterday, yesterday national on National signing National Signing Day because yeah. he already imagined, oh, I'm going to be living over here. I'm going to be going to work in the snow over here. He already had envisioned all that, and he probably was thrown with a curveball 
when he walked away without an offer. Yeah, I, I agree with Key on that assessment. I'm Jim. But I, I will say this, Max, to your point. I mean, the amount of pressure that the NFL is under right now is just incredible. I mean, it's a daily topic around Brian Flores, Hugh Jackson. And now you're telling me that African-American coaches would go 0 for 9 in the opportunities that have been available this year? That, 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 that makes things uncomfortable. Like, I'm not yeah. saying that influences the Minnesota Vikings. I'm just saying overall, the entire narrative makes people and teams uncomfortable. To What's left? Houston, New Orleans. Houston's not a good job right now either. No, but I'm just saying jobs. New Houston, New Orleans. Who am I missing? Am I missing anybody? Uh, I don't think, think that's um, Houston, New Orleans. There might help be, me. Am I missing somebody? There might be. I feel like there might be one more, but I can't think of who it is. Houston, New Orleans, Minnesota. Those three. Miami. Oh, Miami. Oh, so Houston, Miami. New Orleans, Miami. Miami. So maybe those are the last four. It's a lot yeah, of jobs, left, yeah. guys. It's a lot of jobs. Oh, Jacksonville. Five. Jacksonville. Um, See, this hmm. is one of the when, – like, when I talk about, like, pernicious stereotypes, right, they're, 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 it's bad stuff that's kind of in the ether, out in the air, but people aren't really conscious of it, right? And it has this negative effect. The you know Keel you'll always talk about like oh he stood next to Sean McVay he got a job right he did right, Kevin right. O'Connell yeah right like whoever whoever it's like but, pixie dust right no doubt <laughs> oh Sean McVay pixie dust right but now right it, may, it used to be the original stereotype was black men can't lead that was what kept them out of quarterbacking and head coaching right that was the stereotype then that got dispelled of course. And then it's I, now. I don't get it, man. Now, now, right. now, here's what I think it is. It's this idea that you need to be the hot shot offensive coordinator. Now, think about like this. Eric Bieniemy, right? But I'm going to get <laughs> no, to that in a second. But think about this. Thank you, Jason. That means <laughs> there. That means you have to have the brains. You have to be strategic and have the brains. And now the stereotype, which is unsaid, which I think is affecting hiring, is if it's a black. Offensive coordinator, and they're having success. It must be the coach calling the plays. We don't really believe. No, it's the it's quarterback, that dude. or it's, it's the, the quarterback. quarterback, or it's the coach. But it's not that dude. And and it seems to me that that's some of what seems to be going on. Like the point is, you got to come up with explanations for what's happening. It's crazy, Max. I I, I you know I joke about standing next to Sean McVay and and just touching him, rubbing his back, and you get hired. I joke about that. Now, here's what I would say. Kevin O'Connell ain't called a damn play. And look, whatever. They hire him, that's fine. But Raheem Morris is a brother who's sitting there dialing up the defense. The defense is keeping you in games when Matthew Stafford is screwing it up. You are in the Super Bowl partly because Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford, but partly because of Raheem Morris and the defense. But this brother can't get a job yet. It's just crazy to me, man. I don't get it. You know, and he was a head coach before. So you have the experience. He actually calls defensive plays. So you check in that box. I just don't get it. I don't get it. You know, we had um we had uh Chris Mortensen on the show, and he mentioned yesterday, he was like, look. He was, he, he was very forthright about doing self-examination about things as he got older and more experienced and came into contact with more people. I was very impressed 
with what he had to say. At one point he said, um, I'm not one of these people who think because the league is 70%, whatever, black, that you need to have that exact number as a percentage of you know, head coaches, let's say. And I think he's right. Let's say it was yeah. 50%. Mm-hmm. But let's say it was 90%. Because let me tell you something. Right now, it's at like 3%. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and 90% is a lot closer to 70% than 3%. In other words, really, yeah, sure, there might only be 50% black head coaches. That would make sense. But 90% would make as much sense as 50. And there's 3%. There's one black head coach. You know, it's like you, sometimes you got to take a step back, and it's like those, those, those painters, those punctilists on the sidewalk, they paint in dots, right? And if you look up close, it's hard to see. You step back, and it forms a picture. Step back and look at the big picture. One, something's going on. Yeah, it's mind-boggling, too. You talk about second opportunities. I mean, you think about guys like Pat Shermer, Eric Mangini. You know what I mean? Like guys who have gotten multiple shots at this thing where – I like Jim Caldwell. You're still waiting, right? Like it, it, it's it's, well, it's Jim, interesting when you look at the whole scheme. Jim's had Jim's had a couple stops, but he still can coach, yeah. and he was successful sure. yes. at his couple stops. But there are examples, like you said, though, uh, Jay. When you talk about Pat Sherman and Eric Mangini, I mean, we can go Adam on Gase. and on and on. At, come on, man! <laughs> like I, seriously, I like Adam Case. Like come on, seriously, like. And you're trying to sit there and tell me that Leslie Frazier doesn't deserve a second opportunity? I mean, he has orchestrated the number one defense in the National Football League of the Buffalo Bills, but he doesn't deserve a second opportunity. Now, look, there's four – I think there's four spots that's still open. Doesn't mean that those four spots can't be filled by black head coaches. But as of right now, we are over. And I want our – young black and white athlete football players right now to stand up and voice their opinions. They, they have to be a part of this along with people in the front offices, black and white. You got to say something. You can't just sit pat and expect for the media to continue. You got to use your strength and your power to do so. Well, Key, the, the interesting point is if we want the players to stand up and do that, what, what's the one body that speaks for the players? Mm-hmm. It's the union. Mm-hmm. So it brings up another interesting topic there's a conversation. Lot, there's a lot to it, Jay. I agree. Because you would think, well, the players got to do something. Well, what, how do they do that with the, with the greatest impact? Well, they got to get together to do it. What body does that? The players' union, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be much more on this throughout the morning. Plus, Hugh Jackson joins us at 8.30 a.m., Eastern here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. It's going to be fascinating. We, it, it, listen, yeah. and by the way, we got Damian Woody coming up. We got Ty Law coming up. He was very clear about what he thinks Tom Brady should do toward me. <laughs> <laughs> got less need today? Yeah, we got less need. We got a whole lot going on. It feels like we have a lot of time, but it always feels like actually we don't have enough time to do everything we got to get into. Keyshawn. Jay, Will, and Max. As I said, much more throughout the morning. Hugh Jackson, 8.30 a.m. One thing, by the way, Brian Flores, you and Brian Flores said yesterday that imagine has the league very concerned. I'd be concerned. That's next ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.
Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.